morning again and it is a wonderful beautiful morning i know you're probably wondering a little bit about the way we've set the table this morning and uh you'll see how that becomes clear as we go through the message today uh we just celebrated advent and we went through the last four sundays beginning uh, with the first of december and and dealt with advent and used the candles uh as in the illustrative way in which they were to be used. Uh, and they're here again this morning. Advent is over. Christmas has been completed. 25th of December was a few days ago. Uh, but Advent is a season, and it's four Sundays that mark the beginning of a new church year. And it's all pointing, of course, to the babe and and that birth that we celebrate in the manger and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels and the uh, wise men that finally showed up a year later or so. Uh, it gives us a chance to start fresh. And I'm hoping that that's exactly what we're going to do this morning uh, as we prepare ourselves for the next couple of days uh, for a new year. We're going to be uh, celebrating New Year's Day uh, in a couple of days, a few days, Wednesday, uh, football game for some, uh, not for all. Uh, parades, probably for more. Uh, the parade will be on. Uh, Hallmark Channel is going to run it. I saw it on television last night for the 13th time. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad? To, to write that down. You want to save that uh, special information uh, for Hallmark. Uh, there we go. <clears throat> but the Advent is a representation of God's glorious gift to us. Uh, and we're going to just quickly review what we've done uh, in that regard uh, by lighting the candles again. And what I'm going to do is speak briefly to each of the candles uh, and then explain why they're still here since Advent is is over. Uh, In in the back, the shortest candle uh, was the first candle we lit, and therefore it burned every service. That's why it's the shortest candle. And I'm glad that it's still here. And I'm only going to, I'm going to use that candle uh, as the beginning. Watch how I put this so I don't melt anything. And that's the hope candle. Now understand, actually I was thinking in terms of starting by burning the white candle, which we, I'm sure all of us realize is representation of the Christ candle, uh, the p- candle of purity, uh, pure white and so on. Uh, but I think I, I'm going to do it this way because if this is the first Sunday of Advent and we're talking about the hope candle, which is what I'm trying to dislodge. There we are. Come, come, come. There we are. 
But Christ is the hope. And so when we look at the hope candle, we want to consider from where the hope candle, where does the hope come from? The hope comes from the promise uh, that the Lord has given to us uh, in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the coming of that birth child that we celebrate on Christmas and on the cards and, and all of the different things uh, that we do uh, for Christmas time. So the hope candle is fed by, actually, by the Christ candle, by the candle of God. Uh, in Bible study, we've been going through uh, a series of four lessons concerning uh, why do we need Christmas, or do you need Christmas, I think was the title of the lessons, uh, done by uh, Andy Stanley, Charles's uh, son. And uh, he said that, as we have learned in Scripture, when in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son, that what we have seen, he said, ready or not, believe it or not, he is here. Ready or not, believe it or not, he is here. He has come to do what he has come to do. And that's the hope. And he's promised from on uh, from time of old uh, that he would come that he would come and do what he was going to do. And that's the blessed hope. The blessed hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, And it's represented, the hope is represented by this first candle. And then the hope is translated to the next candle. And that's the candle that won't light. Come now. You need to come from the... Ha <laughs> got it. That's the peace candle. Because he promises peace. Jesus says, I will give you peace. A peace that you don't understand. A peace that passes, passeth, my good King James English, all understanding. You don't understand it. The peace. You have the hope, and you have the hope of what? You have the hope of peace. Everlasting peace, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We sing the song, and that's what we're talking about. That, of course, too, is fed by the Lord Jesus Christ, fed by the center, fed by the God the Father himself. God sent forth his Son uh, in the hope that people would reconcile themselves to him, to himself, uh, and he gives us that hope, and he gives us that peace. And then we go to the third candle, which is the candle of joy. And over and over again in Scripture, see how quickly the joy, there we go. Uh, The joy candle lights, and it lights so high. Wow, it's getting taller. Over and over again, I'm going to give you joy. Your joy will be full. Your joy is full. And those of you that have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior can easily say, I think, that your joy is full. There's a fullness of joy. Even though we've lost, we've had setbacks perhaps in life, uh, not perhaps, we probably, we really, everyone has of one kind or another, some more severe than others perhaps, but nevertheless, we have them. We have them and we are given 
that joy. And the joy is really found in what we can possibly, what we should be doing in a continual basis. And that basis is prayer. And so as we pray now, and we're going to pray uh, for this service and pray for the rest of the candles, uh, that's where the joy comes from. The joy is authored by none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. As we have the hope, as we have the peace, he gives us the joy and the opportunity to come to him in prayer at any moment of any given day. So let us pray uh, now. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this day as we celebrate you, as we celebrate once again the very fact that you were willing to send your son and your son is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's in his name that we pray. It's in his name that we claim the hope and the peace and the joy that lasts forever and ever. And we thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the fourth candle uh, is the candle of love. And some might wonder why that's not the first candle. Because every the whole thing generates from God's love, doesn't it? John 3.16, the, the big verse, For God so loved the world. And everything else is based on that. Because of his love for the world, he gave the hope and the peace and the joy of his son in coming. All of it is all connected together. It's it's all it's a package deal. All of it is yours. All of it, as you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as you've determined to walk with Him, is found in the representation of the candles that are lit. And now I'm going to take the candle of love on purpose, the candle of love, and with that I'm going to light the Christ candle. And the Christ candle is a representation, of course, of the love that God has brought to us. It's not just a promise. It's not just the hope. It's not just the peace that is promised. It's not just the joy that is promised. But it is love fulfilled in the fact that Jesus has come. Jesus has come. He is fulfilling his very promise. The promise of God the Father has been to give us that peace, and he's given us that peace in the person of his son. And so we have the five candles of the Advent uh, representing God's love. The driving force, of course, is the... Ooh, that feels more... Nice. Ooh. Uh, the warmth of God's love. How does that say? That's a pretty good analogy, isn't it? The warmth of God's love is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. That's what Advent is about. That's what we need to remember when we get all wrapped up in the, quote, the holiday season and, the, and all of the commercialism that Christmas, unfortunately, now represents. Uh, sometimes we miss the message. Many people miss the message completely, which is why... We've invited you when we had them, uh, we had them put out to take, uh, information that you can share with people 
that they might understand what this is all about. What's Christmas all about? Shirley and I have a sweatshirt that we purchased at one of the Christmas concerts a year or so ago. It says it's okay to, to say Merry Christmas. Let's talk about the word Christmas, Christ Mass, Christ's coming, Christ's coming. It's all there. It's all there. And as we sing the hymns and as we, uh, as we pray through the hymns, uh, O little town of Bethlehem, uh, silent night, joy to the world, all, all of those wonderful hymns, sometimes it's good for us to stop and reflect what those hymns say. Read the words. Don't sing the words. Read the words and drink in the meaning that is given to us in those glorious hymns that we sing. Uh, sometimes I think we should sing some of those hymns throughout the year. You know, how can you, Chris, how do you sing a Christmas hymn in July? Well, Hallmark, I did Hallmark already, but Hallmark, they do Christmas in July. Uh, you want to watch snow? You won't see snow here in July. Uh, take a look now. There it is. And we might get some more tomorrow. Uh, oh, Carol. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it, it's getting warm. Well, of course, I'm right here in God's warmth here, so I, I'm I'm good. But <clears throat> it's it's the love of God that drives us. It's the love of God that drives us. Uh, when I was in, with Campus Crusade, and Campus Crusade taught us, and I've said this before, uh, and this has been burned in my memory, that successful witnessing, reaching out and touching others for the Lord Jesus Christ, successful witnessing is simply taking the initiative to uh, share, share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to him. Uh, so I am a successful witnesser when I hand you uh, something and say, God loves you. Did my thing. Uh, if I get a positive response and I can go beyond that, well, that's wonderful. And if they come to the point that they realize that they too need the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they and they pray to receive him, that's frosting on the cake. But as far as my being a successful witness, a successful ambassador, a successful uh, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I'm if I've done that much, if I've just reached out and said, God loves you. When I say Merry Christmas, and I really mean the Merry Christmas more than just the, the, the tinkle of the bells and the holly and the, all of the other trappings that we identify with the time, then what do we have? We have, uh, <clears throat> we've taken Christ out of Christmas. Then Christ, or pardon me, then Christmas becomes meaningless, doesn't it? It becomes a meaningless effort. It becomes just another uh, hol- another holiday. And the government has given us the holiday. Uh, we don't have to go to work that day. Well, unless you're, you know, the, the essentials, you know, police work and firemen work and waitresses work because nobody, we're not going to cook that day. So we go out and eat on that day. Never mind. I don't want to start the blue laws now. That's. And if you know history, you know what blue laws are about. But there's the advent, the advent of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we celebrate communion on the last Sunday of the month. And so the table is set 
for communion. And the reason that it's set for communion, because one leads to the other. There's a natural flow from here to here. Because the love that is represented here, the beginnings of what God has meant for us in a real tangible way is found in the Advent and is culminated here. It's culminated in the cross. It's culminated in the fact, and this is my empty cup of wrath, this is the cup of wrath that he has emptied out on the cross uh, in the sacrifice of his son in order that we might have life. And when we celebrate the communion, as you know, the communion is meant to be done in remembrance of him. Now, <clears throat> when I remember, I try, I try to remember the whole thing. I remember the coming. I remember his walking around in his earthly disguise, if I can put it that way, for those 33 plus years to the point that he would do this, that he's going to sacrifice his life. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit uh, right now. So we're going to be talking about the elements. Uh, bread we're going to focus on a little bit uh, more than the other this week. But this is tied to this. They go together. They're a package deal. This is the alpha and this is the omega, the beginning and the end. Not the end, but in many ways it's the beginning for you and for me. Because this is the beginning of his reaching out and touching us in a very tangible way. And that, that's the advent. That's the bringing uh, into the world this creature, this person. The person that we call the babe Jesus in the manger with Mary and Joseph. And, and all of the trappings as they are described for you in scripture. Not necessarily the nativity scene that you see on the top of our piano at home or your home or anybody's home. And it leads to, it leads to the very purpose in his coming. And the purpose in his coming is right here. It's right here. The purpose in his coming is found in the cross. And so why this? Well, the cross represents the death. The cross represents the sacrifice. He's willing to give up his life. The most precious thing that any one of us in this room has is our life. It's our life. When, when we die, when we physically die in this earthly life, it's over. It's gone. It's, it's finished. And the most, even in our, uh, what's the word I want? Our, body just yearns for life we can be comatose and our body fights for life every breath that we take until until finally whatever it is you know be it a disease or 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 whatever uh finally our last breath is taken and our life is gone physical life is gone but in order for that physical life to be gone the physical life has a beginning and so therefore, Christmas or this Advent, this idea that Jesus came in the form of a baby born of a virgin is the beginning of a physical life. Just like you have a beginning of your physical life. 
My beginning was on the 8th of August in, in a year or two gone by. I, we don't count them anymore or try not to. My son does because he reminds me that he's approaching a certain age and, and he blames that on me, uh, us. And, well, that's partly true. We decided that he would be born. We decided on having him, and we did. Uh, but he's almost 50. That's hard to believe. I have difficulty with that sometimes to wrap that around. My eldest is going to be 50 soon. And, uh, you know, but then that means that I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, but there's the idea. The idea is birth. And the idea is death, and that's exactly what the physical Jesus did for us. He didn't come to heal the blind. He did not come to raise the lame from the, the from their pallet. He didn't come to change the water into wine. He didn't come to feed the 5,000. He didn't come to calm the waters. He didn't come to teach Peter how to walk on water. He didn't any of those things. All of those things are marvelous. He didn't come to raise Lazarus from the dead. He came to do this. And if he did nothing else, absolutely nothing else in this physical life but this, he would have satisfied the will of the Father, the will of the Son, the will of the Holy Spirit, the triune God will have accomplished the mission that it set forth to accomplish. It's all found right here in order that this cup of wrath might be empty. And then the joy, the absolute joy that we have is when Jesus was faced the last night of his physical life, the very last night of his physical life, he sat down with his disciples, and I'm wearing the disciple tie today. Uh, wonderful love gift from one of you, not in the room today, but, but one of you, part of our congregation. <clears throat> he sat down with them at the Passover meal. And the Passover meal had to do with what? And we go back all the way back to Exodus, and we ask, well, what's Passover? Passover is with the end of the ten plagues. Remember Moses and the... And the, the, the plague of the flies and the plague of the locusts and the plague of the frogs and all of those things. And there were then the tenth plague was the death plague. And God said, spread the blood over the, the doorposts of your house, which is a representation of your family. And if you do that, when the death angel comes and does what he came to do, then he will pass over you. He will give you pardon. He will not take you as he is taking others in what? In the throes of death. And so they that that's a Jewish celebration. And that Jewish celebration is part of the what we call the Lord's table because that's where this table uh, was born. That's where this table was born. Because Jesus said, when the bread was passed in that celebratory meal for the Passover, he said that this is my body, which is broken for you. This is it. This is my body, which is broken for you. And when you consume this, you take upon yourself 
the body, my body, that is broken for you. And when did he do this? He did this the night before he was betrayed, or the night he was betrayed, the night before he was tried, the night before he was beaten bloody, the night before he went to the cross and hung on the cross, the night before the afternoon that he died, physically died, dead, quickly, let's get him buried before sundown because we have Sabbath coming. Hurry up. Let's get the house all vacuumed up because the mother-in-law is going to be here in just a few minutes. Got to get everything all tidy. Can't have any dead bodies laying around and forced into the tomb. Forced into the tomb. That's the context. That's When you read the book of John, which does the best job of this, I think, uh, as far as passion is concerned, that you understand that chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, they all run, they all, that's all upper room. That's all the night before. And if your Bible is like mine, it's all red letter. It's all Jesus speaking. Every once in a while, a disciple might say, well, what about this? And what about that? But it's all Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Who said that? Jesus said that. Red letter. I'm the way. This is my body which is given for you, which is broken for you. That's red letter. And the bread is is so symbolic that the, it's the staff of life. Bread is considered the staff of life. There's quick energy found in the bread. That's why uh, armies of old lived on grain. They lived on grain. It was easy to take care of. Got instant uh, strength for the battle, etc., etc. And so, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The bread of life is what? The bread of life is the very word of God. The very word of God is found in the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. This bread. Take it. Eat it. Consume it. I do this often, and I didn't, haven't done it today, so I'll do it now. <clears throat> when we sing the hymns, almost all of the hymns in the hymnal that we're using, up at the top, there's a verse that represents that hymn. And in some cases, not all, but in some cases, that is the guiding thought that the lyricist or the hymnist uh, used when they wrote the, when they wrote the hymn. Every one of the hymns speak in terms of spiritual truth. Think about that. There's power in the blood. You know, we, that's a good Baptist hymn. Let's stomp our feet and, you know, we could dance a jig. There's power in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Even back into the Old Testament, all of all of the rituals had to do with the shedding of blood. You had to bring animals to sacrifice. And the animals became uh, the substitutionary atonement for your sin. You brought your best animal to be slaughtered and given over to the priest. Uh, and the blood was sprinkled. And, and we don't want to go into the ritualism of that. But it's all in the blood. Blood of the cross. The blood of 
of the cross. And then we come to the blood. We come to the blood. And the blood is represented here. Because Jesus, and I've said this often enough, you probably remember and can say it with me, but Jesus said, this is the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament in my blood. What, what does testament mean? Testament means covenant. Some, some versions of the scripture read that way. This is the new covenant in my blood. What does covenant mean? What does testament mean? Testament means promise. This is the new promise that's written in my blood. I added the word written, didn't I? And when you consume this, when you take this into yourself, when you take it upon yourself, you do this as I have asked you to do. It's like taking the blood and placing it on the doorpost. You are identifying yourself with me. And when you did that way back when, and we're talking about Jewish people that are represented on my tie, when you did that way back when in Exodus, in, in Egypt, when you did that, you were identifying with me. And that was a dangerous thing to do when you think about it. Because you were marking yourself as someone who was anti-Pharaoh and that you were asking yourselves, you were basically setting yourself up for a death penalty. And so was it no surprise to us then that even today when there are those that will, will look upon us as, do you really truly believe all of this stuff? That's all this is, stuff, candles, some. Some heathen somewhere made these candles. They're probably not really all, no big deal. It wasn't consecrated holy hands that made these candles. I don't know where these candles came from. They're the right color and so on. And they got a wick and they burn and there you go. This is Welch's grape juice. There are those that have decided that they had to elevate these elements to the point that they are actually, this is actually the body. We're talking about the body. So this is actually part of the bone marrow of Christ's left leg. Or is it his arm? Or is it his pinky finger? Or See how silly that is? This is actually the blood. This actually becomes the blood. I want to be careful. I don't want to spill his blood. I don't want to be guilty of the spilt blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Still wait, well, it's just grape juice. I prayed over it. I prayed about it. I know Rosie prays that she won't spill it when she pours it into the little cup. You did pray, didn't you? Yeah, especially the first cup. Especially the first cup. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay. And, oh, by the way, you get a full measure of the blood when Rosie does the cups because she fills the cups up. There's about seven calories here. You're going to do very well for yourself. If you haven't had breakfast yet, you know, that's the physical side of this. And I'm being flippant. But he said, this is my, this is a representation of my blood. And he held up that wine glass in the Last Supper. And in the Last Supper, that happens to be the cup of redemption uh, in the Passover meal. That's the cup that he held up. And he said, this, he didn't hold up the jug of wine. He held up the cup and he said, this is the new promise. 
And the new promise is redemption. The new promise is salvation. The new promise is uh, regeneration. Written in my blood. That's what this is about. And so when we come to the... uh, And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then the scripture goes on to tell us, Corinthians tells us, that we shouldn't do it unworthily. Why is that? We can all go all the way back again to Egypt <coughs> because it's an identification. It's identification. I identify with the United States Marine Corps as an example. I was a Marine for, for many years. And I know that's a surprise to most of you. You haven't figured that out yet. But when I, when I separated myself from the military, when I, when I left the military and no longer carry the green identification card that has me an active member of that service, and I could say the same for, for Joe in the army, uh, when he separated himself, he could no longer legally wear the army uniform. I could no longer legally wear the Marine Corps uniform. Not completely. I might wear a piece of it now now and then. But I can't get all suited up and have you take another picture of me uh, as I looked in my 25-year-old self back when I was a drill instructor. Well, never mind. We don't want, I'm not doing war stories. But that's identification. There's no I'm no longer an active-duty Marine. Now, once a Marine, always a Marine, and I believe that, and that's my inner soul. But that's the, that's what the point we're trying to make here is this is a representation. This is an identification point. If I'm accepting the elements, then I'm accepting the identification that I too am one of the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm following the millions that have gone before me, and I'm following in his footsteps. I am a Christian, not a secret service Christian. You notice uh, these aren't turned the other way. You know, you see, I'm one of those. No, it's right there for everybody to see. Now, can you see me in the joy? Do you see me in the peace that I offer you? Do you see me in the hope that I offer you as I speak to you? As I am doing my successful witnessing bit? I hope so. I hope that when I am a dead, oh, he's one of those, that that's a good thing. <laughs> and not a, and not a bad thing. It's a good thing. When I pick, when I give the, the clerk back the, the quarter that they gave me too much in change, and they look at me like, what kind of an idiot are you? And I get that look. Uh, but I give the quarter. This do in remembrance of me, Jesus says. This do in remembrance of me. Eat the bread. Drink the blood. Drink the cup. In remembrance of me. Now what should I remember? It's all on the table. I've laid it completely out for you. The banquet is right there. Every time you do this, you can remember this. And everything in between. Look at the life that Jesus led. 
between here and here. Where he healed the blind man. Where he raised Lazarus from the dead. Etc, etc, etc. Where he reached out and presented the salvation to the woman at the well. John chapter 4. All of the things that Jesus did in that physical life. Pointing towards eternal life. Because that's what it is. What is the peace? There it is. Where's the peace? Where's the joy? The joy that we don't understand, the joy that we don't understand, is I can go to a funeral and I can be happy about it. Oh, I'm going to miss the person that's gone. I miss my mother. Shirley misses her mother. I miss Shirley's mother. And there's a mouthful. You miss your mother. Most of us are probably orphans by now. But but there it is. I'm, but if they have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and I have, then I know that I'm going to rejoin them. When my grandson, Jeremiah, who basically lived with us his entire life until uh, about the seventh or eighth grade, and then he moved to Connecticut to be with his with his mother and his and his new father, and I'm not going to go into it any deeper than that. But I, my, he was like a son to me. He was gone. I was sad, and I kind of thought I'd never see him again. And then he came back, lived with us his senior year. How joyful that was! And that's that's what I'm talking about. When I go, when I die, when I leave here, when I leave this physical place, I'm going to be rejoined with Marion, my mother-in-law, my mother, etc., etc. Name the people. I kind of hope my stepfather. And that's another story that we'll tell another time. But there it is. That's that's the joy. That's the joy that passes understanding. When we went to the service for one of our own people, Jewel Rollins. Jewel Rollins is one of the founding members of our church. She was one of the first people that sat right over there in that chair by the window and that was basically her chair. Nobody dared sit there, only her. Uh, and she was she was here every week, every week. Her son came and grabbed her one one time and kidnapped her for a day or t- for a weekend or so, and we missed her. But she was there every time. So very very faithful. And she passed away. <clears throat> and I I did her I did her funeral service. I did the graveyard graveside and all that business, but. The joy that was shown there in her passing, the people that, that knew her and knew and knew know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to see Jewel again. I'm going to be reunited with Jewel. Praise God, I'm going to see Jewel again. Praise God, I'm going to see, uh, and I mentioned my own family. Praise God, I'm going to see, uh, my eldest grandson uh, that never lived a life here passed away before he was born. But, but I'm going to see him. That's what this is about. That's what I identify with. So when I come here, I think here. Thank you, God, 
for loving me so very, very much that you were willing to do this. Joe, would you come? And now you have the opportunity of sharing today. And so we pass out the bread and we pass out the wine or the grape juice. It could be wine if we left it out long enough because it will ferment. Believe me, would we miss? Terrible service. Service is terrible. Let me serve you, Joe. And as we've already spoken, as we've already spoken, we take the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Do these things in remembrance of me, saith the Lord Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. <coughs> and that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a hymn, and we're going to go in the back and pretend like that's the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're going to have a picnic, and then you can go out into the cold. Let's stand. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this wonderful, beautiful day that you've provided us. An opportunity once again to revisit your love in a tangible way, in a, in a carefully constructed way. Thinking in terms of birth, thinking in terms of cross, and all connected together in order that you might demonstrate to us your unwavering love for us. And we thank you now and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And here on page 345. Now I belong to Jesus. <laughs>